You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. As a matter of fact, this is going to be the second time he's been on the podcast. His name is Lewis Congdon. And Lewis was on our show in episode 37 when he talked about the three biggest mistakes people make when starting a podcast. Now, Lewis is the host of the Thriving Launch Podcast. He's an author, a writer, a consultant, a speaker, and he specializes in helping entrepreneurs with their relationships. So, Welcome to the show, buddy. I'm excited hey, that we're here. We get a, here. get a little chance to catch up. You've been traveling and we haven't talked in a while. So how's things going? Things are going wonderful. Things are great. And I'm excited to be here. What episode are we on now? If you're, a, I was back on 39, you were kind of in the nascent stages starting. Where are you at now? Yeah, I think we're, you'll probably be, I don't have the exact number, but it's definitely low 200s, probably 205, okay. 20, okay. somewhere in there. So yeah, right. so, so we've done quite a few episodes, it's been a lot of fun, met a lot of great people. You know, have to thank you because you helped partly inspire me to do some of the podcasting. You've introduced me to people that have been on my podcast. So I'm, I'm eternally thankful for you for all the right. help you gave me there. So thank you with that. And, uh, but today we're going to, guys, we're going to take a little bit different spin on the podcast. So bear with me here for a minute because it's going to be a little bit different, but we're definitely going to tie it together because I think it's something that's really important for all of you. And what we're going to talk about is the most overlooked metrics to business success. And it's not what you think, okay? It's not what most people think. It's not Facebook ads or cost of a lead or conversion rates or, you know, doing your podcast or any of that. It revolves around relationships. And Lewis is an expert, has a lot of experience. He'll talk a little bit about that. But that's what we're going to talk about today. So before we do that, give people a little bit of a picture, draw a picture, a little bit of a background on how this whole relationship component in this coaching and consulting you do in and around that kind of came to play because it's very unique. Yeah, definitely. You know, a lot of people say, you know, your net worth is tied to your network. But what a lot of people don't get is that your ability to have healthy, meaningful relationships is directly tied to your productivity. It's directly tied to your sense of happiness and to tied to your longevity. You know, people who have healthy relationships don't get sick as often. They're happier. They're more productive. They're more connected to their community. They're more connected to themselves, to their work, to their team. And so in some ways, we're dealing with intangibles today because a lot of us when we're busy working, we're paying attention to, well, you know, what did that lead cost? What happened here? What happened there? But what about when you go home? Who are you when you go home? Are you happy when you're home? Are you enjoying your life when you're home? Are you in a relationship that feeds you and nurtures you that then there, after there, translates to how you are at work? Because there's a lot of research coming out of the Gottman Institute, University of Washington, HeartMath, and all sorts of other places, Harvard Business, 
showing that your happiness in your most intimate relationship is actually directly correlated to your success at work. It's directly correlated to your productivity at work. And you know, it's funny enough, if you look at presidents, for example, if you go back in the history of all presidents of the United States, pretty much all of them have been married, right? Pretty much all of them have had a significant other. Why is that? Why is it so important to us that you know, somebody who's the figurehead of a country is married? Why is it important to us that we're in a relationship that makes us happy or works for us? And as business owners, a lot of times we forget that what happens at home does actually affect your productivity outside of the home. And I got into this work a long time ago when I was early in my 20s. I kind of got tired of being that nervous, shy guy that hadn't had a relationship. I had success in other areas of my life. I had the body I wanted. I was making money that I enjoyed. But I didn't really have a relationship that nurtured and fed me. So I would go home to a lonely, cold house. And my friends were starting to get married. They were starting to get to that place where they're no longer kind of you know, playing the field, so to speak, and maybe not even building their businesses as much as they were trying to also build their home life. And so I started to get into this idea that life, in order for it to truly be fulfilling, we also have to have, it, have someone to share it with. And so I ended up doing work in the nation's largest research project on marital success and marital longevity. And we had something over like 20,000 married couples come through that program in a two and a half year study. And then we followed those couples for seven years in total. And a lot of data came out. And that's why I'm here today is to talk about some of that data and why that's important to us as entrepreneurs or business owners or CEOs or executives because this stuff directly affects your productivity. And we all know that, you know, you get in a fight and you leave to work. Who are you? Are you the same productive person that you were when your marriage or your relationship was thriving and you were happy and you showed up and you were jazzed about work? Or when you have a fight at home or your relationships on the fringes, do you have a harder time waking up for work? Do you have a harder time socializing with your peers and your staff? Who are you? Does that affect you? And I'm asking these questions because I want you to think about it. I want you to think about what happens to me when my relationship isn't doing so well. Does that affect my productivity? Does that affect my ability to be present with my staff? Does that affect how fast my mind is able to come up with answers? Does, it affect, does that affect how I take the blows and hits of life as a business owner and just as a human being? So I guess I got into that work because I wanted those answers for myself and I wanted to become a completely happy person in the sense of holistic sense of that idea. Yeah. When you shared this idea with me, I mean, we were chatting over Facebook because we connect, we reconnected after a little bit and you shared this idea. You know, I thought about it for a second and at first I was like, well, you know, I'm not sure. And then I said, you know what, what are you a fool, Dennis? I mean, every entrepreneur, every salesperson, every marketer, every employee has a relationship either with their mom, their dad, their significant other, their wife, their husband, you know, their son, their daughter, whatever it is. And those relationships, and I thought about it personally, and I thought about how those relationships have positively and negatively, you know, obviously impacted my performance in the business world. Because, you know, a lot of people think that they can leave it at the door, right? Let's, you know, leave your personal stuff at the door when you get to come into work. Well, we all know that that's bullshit, right? That really doesn't work. It carries over as diligent as you try to leave it at the door when you go to your job or your business. It doesn't really work, right? And so I think I was really interested in this topic and I'm glad we're talking about it today because I don't know if we're going to have some big epiphany or that we're going to be able to share some major hack, but I think talking about it is probably the first step that some people 
need to take in realizing that it is number one going to impact you. And number two, there are things you can probably do to try to prevent it or head it off at the pass or whatever the case may be. So I'm excited to dive in. So where do we go from here, Lewis? Talk to me. Yeah. You, you said you had a bunch of stats and information from studies that have been done. I think that would be a great way to kind of bring the audience in and help them to understand that this isn't just some anomaly. This is a real challenge. So why don't you take it from there? Yeah. One of the things I want to say is that today we will have some epiphanies. We will have some ways to hack your relationship or be better at relating in your relationship so that your work life is better. So your work life balance is better. So your relationship is better. I want to say that that's definitely something we're going to provide today. And the other thing I want to say is that I'm not somebody sitting here without real life experience. I'm in my own relationship. I'm married. I'm a human being just like everyone else. And I'm also an academic and a researcher who's been doing this work for over 12 years now, actually. I just looked the other day and it's, oh, it's been slightly over 12 years that I've been doing this work, reading research, working with researchers, working with PhDs and taking notes and working with people who are actual like lab, you know, geeks and working in labs and studying relationships. And a lot of times what people don't realize is that there is an actual science to having a healthy relationship. They've gotten to a point. I mean, we've studied humans for so long now. There is a point in which there is an actual science to it. And so I'm not somebody sitting here just saying, hey, you know, I have this opinion about something or I have this idea. There is an actual science. So, you know, something to consider that I really like to share with people is that research has found that the first two minutes, if you've ever had an argument with your wife or your partner, uh, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it might be, somebody that you're in intimate partnership, if you've ever felt frustrated with them or angry, something's bothering you and you bring it to the table and you want to talk about it, but maybe you don't know how to do it. So you do it whatever way you want to, and you just try to get it out there. And it results in a fight. And you're wondering what happened? Where did it go wrong? How could I have done it better? As a matter of fact, on my website where I work with couples, one of the most researched topics that people come to my website for is, I hurt someone I love. How do I fix it? How do we talk about problems? These are some of the terms that come up as kind of the key reasons why people come to the website. Because a lot of us don't know how to bring up problems. A lot of us don't know how to bring up problems or issues. But we know that there's actual science showing that the first two minutes of discussing a problem are the most important minutes of conflict resolution. Now, this is important for us as bosses, as owners of companies. And this is also important for us as partners in relationship to other people. The first two minutes of discussing a problem are the most important. Now, at work, your employees are just going to stay quiet and they're going to say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, whatever it might be, and they're going to just do whatever you want. At home, your partner is not going to just take it, right? But even then, research out of Harvard Business came out and said, you know, the way that bosses talk to their staff about problems and the way that bosses uplift or encourage or discourage behaviors at work directly correlates to the success of companies. And we know this when we look at companies like Google, uh, Slack, there's Airbnb. We actually know that these companies have invested a lot. UPS, these companies have invested a lot of money. Starbucks is another company, if you read this book called um, Something Habits by Charles Duhigg. And he talks about Starbucks investing millions of dollars to look at how to develop better relationships with staff and how to train staff better. So we're back to relationships being a fundamental metric in our business, in our home life. And so the first two minutes that we talk about a problem are super important. And they're actually more important than the result. 
So if you want to have more productivity, you want to be better at your job, you want to be better in your business, learning how to talk about conflicts with your partner are going to be essential and learning how to manage those first two minutes. And I actually believe it's those first 30 seconds, right? Because if somebody comes to you, if your partner comes to you and says, let's say the kitchen's a mess and you're somebody who likes a clean kitchen or you like a clean living room, wherever it might be, and you come to your partner and you say, you're a slob, the kitchen's a mess, you are so dirty, it's filthy, it's gross, how do you live in this mess? That probably only took about 30 to 45 seconds to say, but nobody goes, oh my God, honey, thanks for telling me that I'm a slob and that I'm messy, I'll go clean it up right now. Yeah, that would not go over well in my house. (laughs) That wouldn't go well for anybody. I would probably have to run and duck because there'd be things flying. Right? But but, So I'm bringing up this topic and it's interesting because you might be thinking, well, this doesn't really correlate to my success in business. I mean, whatever is happening at home is happening at home, right? You look at somebody like Gary Vaynerchuk, who's, you know, notorious for being a workaholic. He really is. He says he's a workaholic. He says he works 14, 15 hour workdays. And I watched this whole interview with him that was over an hour long, and he talked about how he has work-life balance. And he said one of the things that he does is Friday through to Sunday, phones off, all media are off. He has no communication with any of his team, any of his employees, and he works on his relationship. And he does say that most relationships would suffer if they manage the way that he does. You know, and he has a particular type of home life and a particular type of wife and kids who understand how things are. But even him. It struggles with this work-life balance. So you're trying to think of how to say, talk about a problem. And if you manage it the way I talked about earlier, where you just tell your partner in a criticism, you're a slob or you're, you know, you're gross, and then you try to leave to work, what does that do to the rest of your workday? Dennis, have you ever had like an argument with your partner, with your wife, and then gone to work? Uh, yeah, that would be an affirmative, yes. And did you find that your workday was a little sluggish because of it or your wife maybe texted you in the afternoon and you're trying to work this stuff out, but you're trying to be at work. And it's just like your mind is split. It's in all these different places. 100%. No question. And what, I mean, the thing that occupies the most, the biggest space in my life is my partnership. You know, no matter how important my business is, my partnership tends to occupy a huge part of the RAM. You know, if you look at like our brains, like a computer, the RAM in my heart and in my brain is occupied by thoughts of my wife and how that's going. And if things aren't going well, if things are disastrous, that RAM is being used up by those problems and those issues. And I can't just ignore them because we actually, we know, you know, it's an interesting study found that the human brain can be sleeping and it can ignore just about every sound possible except one sound. There's one sound that the human nervous system is incapable of ignoring. What is it? And I'm sure you know what this one is. It's a crying baby. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's me, 100%. When it's my daughter was little, baby. couldn't Even people it. who are like, hey, I slept through. I didn't know the baby was crying. When people have been hooked up to these, like, you know, these things where they hook them up to the skin and they're measuring the heart rate at the finest metric possible and the breath, they've actually found that a crying baby will disturb even the hardest of sleepers. At least their nervous system will be affected. And so... And I'm using that as an example because I believe that our relationship is similar. Is it's the one thing that we can't, you know, I can, I'm actually able to drop things from work and be at home. I'm able to go to a movie and kind of let things go. But when my relationship is suffering, I have a really hard time letting that go while I do other things. It's just kind of, it's there. It's humming in the background. It's like tuning into a radio station that 
it's not quite on the right dial. And so there's static. And we want to bring that static down because we also know through research that men who are happily married, they live longer. They don't have, they report less diseases, less illness, less bad health. I mean, you know, when I worked with hundreds of couples at a time through this research project, it was interesting because I'd have all these couples come in three to five times a week. I was teaching these classes with groups of people, groups of couples. And I started to notice something. There would be couples that would come in and almost every week or at least once or twice a month, they would have a cough or they would look tired. They would look exhausted. They would be kind of in a negative mindset. And I started to analyze, like you get, an, you get hundreds of couples coming through the door on a regular basis. Like every, you know, every few days, there's over a hundred couples coming through the door. That's a lot of people that you get to study. And you start going, what is it that these people that are sick all share in common? Well, wait, they all have relationships that are really unhealthy, right? They're screaming at home. They're having a hard time managing their kids. Then their finances suffer for it. Then their work relationships suffer. And their bad habits that they have in their partnership actually translates to how they manage their relationships with their employees or with their staff or with their peers. And all of a sudden, you start realizing people who have unhealthy relationships actually are unhealthy people. But I'm not just saying that you're unhealthy and therefore you have an unhealthy relationship. How about the other way? Your relationship that is unhealthy is making you unhealthy. Oh, I'm getting that cough and I'm having a hard time sleeping because my wife and I fight all the time. It's not just because work is struggling or I'm not doing the best job at work or in my business. I'm actually sick because my relationship is suffering. It's really interesting. It's interesting you bring that up because I was watching a TED talk the other day and I don't remember the title of it, but it was talking about how our mindset, and they've done a lot of studies on this, how our mindset directly impacts our physiology, you know, not just our psychology, right? So our physiology from the perspective, and it was really, really interesting. So it's interesting that you're bringing that up. And I, I believe it. I totally believe it. I think that you know, you're, it can probably, there's a whole scientific component to it that I'm sure. And I'm not definitely not a doctor or a scientist by any stretch, but it may, it just makes sense to me even more so since checking out that TED talk. Right. And so how do then do we improve our psychology or how do we improve our physiology? And this question really kind of brings me to this quote and maybe they'll be connected here, but there's this idea that a lot of people say that you can't learn how to love someone until you love yourself. It sounds beautiful. We've all heard that a lot. I like to flip that on its head and actually see you can't really learn how to love yourself until you learn how to love others. It's actually by loving other people that you learn how to love yourself. And, you know, this is something that in when you look at really successful entrepreneurs, a lot of them talk about giving back, making sure that you're, you know, either tithing or giving back to your community or going back to the people that helped you and thanking them like gratitude and actions of gratitude are really important. Well, in your relationship and your primary relationship, you get an opportunity to practice this on a regular basis, which then primes you to be a better entrepreneur, better in business, better in life. So how do we talk about problems then? You know, how do we bring up issues in ways that don't actually create more catastrophe or issues? I'm glad you brought that back because I really wanted I really wanted to hear your thoughts on that because I think that's something that's really meaningful that people could take away and, and start doing right away, not only in their home life, but with with the people they work with their partners at work, everybody that surrounds them in their environment. Yeah. And what a lot of people do, and this is what Dr. John and Julie Gottman, this is something that they call the four horsemen of apocalypse. And really what they mean by that is there are four particular behaviors that when we see them in a relationship, we know that that relationship 
if it continues down this path, it will end and it won't end in a good way. And what a lot of people tend to do when there's a problem is they look for a criticism. You know, the kitchen's dirty, therefore my partner is a dirty person. You're a messy, nasty person. And what we want to do instead is not use language like that. Like you're this, you know, you're the problem, you're messy, you're gross, you know, you suck, whatever it might be. Instead, what we want to try to do is talk about the issue at hand. You know, the kitchen is a mess and it bothers me when it's messy. Can we join as a team to clean it? Or would you have some time today to clean it up? And no, it sounds like a small change and it is a small change. But if, you know, if you're a golfer or if you're a pilot or if you're into weightlifting or if you're into wrestling like we are, if you're a business owner, a small change is actually all you need to have a significant transformation. You know, so like in golf, if you just change the way that you aim the, the puck, just not the puck, but the, the stick, right? So I'm not a golfer, but if you just change just slightly how you're aiming the stick, it changes the club, the club, yeah. <laughs> you know, or if you're a pilot, if you're a pilot. So if you change the way that you're flying just a tiny bit, it will land you in a completely different state, right? If you don't correct how you're steering. Yeah. So I, right? so the point is, is, you know, two points are number one, you know, not being accusatory and pointing something out and, and focusing on a solution is two totally different things. But then there's the other side of it. It's how you're saying it, right? Because when right. you're saying it the first way, it was very aggressive and kind of, you know, nasty and mean in your tone. And then the other way it was, it was more open-minded, right? It was right. more something that people would respond to. So I think it's, it's like we say in business and in sales and marketing, it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. That's right. And that's exactly. the same thing with your relationships. Exactly. Exactly. And we can take this over to work though, too. You know, if you're a boss and somebody messes up on a phone call or somebody is having bad, bad sales, a bad sales week or a bad sales month, you know, well, we probably don't want to approach that person and say, you're terrible at sales. You know, what's the matter with you? Uh, you know, I mean, if that's, yeah, for sure, you know, no doubt, that's definitely, that's not going to be, that's not going to coach them up, right? It's not going to coach them up. It's like, they're going to tune you them. out. They're going to tune you out at that point. They're exactly. going to be like, ah, oh, this guy's just, he's always coming down on me. He's micromanaging me. He yep. doesn't understand, you know, it's definitely going to create a gap. Right. And, you know, one of the things that we we're talking about before is there's this kind of been this movement, especially like when we look at like Silicon Valley or the tech companies, there's been this movement to really admire or pedestal leaders like Steve Jobs or uh, Bill Gates, and both two leaders that have made billions and kind of, you know, some of the most successful people in the world we've ever seen. But one of the things about them is that we've pedestaled them and their leadership style. And part of their leadership styles is that they're both known to be very hardline, very metrics driven, and not very empathetic leaders. And, you know, a lot of people will look at that and say, well, that's the way to be. You know, that's how you want to be a boss. You want to build a billion dollar business. You want to be a unicorn in this business. You got to emulate Steve Jobs. You got to emulate Bill Gates. You know, Steve Jobs, towards the end of his life, he took a, a fair amount of time off work and started focusing on his marriage again. If you've ever watched the movie Steve Jobs, there is, they make it very poignant through that movie that he really struggled in his relationship because he got really out of balance right? Very out of balance and focusing in business and work. What happened to the guy? He ends up getting cancer, right? And then when he gets cancer, he starts going, wait, you know, I, I want to focus on home more. And, and he starts becoming a happier person. And you can watch this when you read the book. Uh, you can watch it when you watch the movie that people who have this imbalance will actually become unhealthy people. So it's not just that 
you're an unhealthy person and therefore your relationships are unhealthy. It's actually maybe your relationships are unhealthy and now you are an unhealthy person. And as business owners, this is really important because we don't want to just have a successful business. We want to be successful people. And that means being healthy, having a body that works, having an immune system that works, having a outlook on life that makes us feel really happy and motivated, but not just like, hey, I made a million dollars this month. Great. But I'm coughing and I feel sick and nobody wants to be around me and I feel incredibly lonely. We don't want that. We want to be, I made a million dollars this month. My wife and I are doing amazing. My kids are happy. And this is like balancing a lot of plates. But I'll tell you the most important plate on all those plates is going to be your relationship because your intimate relationship and research, once again, shows that people who have healthy relationships tend to be more productive at work. They live longer. They don't get sick as often. And they just have more what's called psychological flourishing. Psychological flourishing is how are you connected to other people? How do you feel inside yourself? What's your self-esteem like? What's your outlook on tomorrow? What's your motivation like? What are your dreams and goals as it pertains to living another day? And ideally, as business owners, we're not just thriving in business, but we're thriving in life. And your intimate partnership actually directly impacts the whole thing. While your business may just impact your wallet, maybe impact some other things, your intimate partnership actually affects everything. You know, here's another interesting study. Did you know that 69% of problems in a relationship or in a marriage are actually what's called perpetual problems? 69% of problems are perpetual problems, meaning they don't go away. (laughs) And 31% of problems in a relationship do go away, meaning that you can solve them, you know, but 69% of them don't. So then that leads us to go, okay, well, if the majority of problems in marriages are repeating problems and they don't really have a solution, then how do we change? You know, what do we do about that? This is not a positive uh, statistic to cite off, but I'm bringing that up because a lot of people just say, well, you know, my husband, let's say you're married to somebody, you're in a relationship to somebody who makes a lot of jokes. They're a very comedic person. Well, in turn, a very comedic person will probably say things that are inappropriate or not a good time to make a joke because that's part of their, their thing is that they make jokes. But in turn, we sometimes tell jokes that maybe we shouldn't, right? Because we're always looking for that comedic angle. And our partner maybe is a little bit more of a serious person, so they don't joke around as much. So now you've got, two, you've got conflicts going on. One person tells too many jokes and jokes around a little too much. The other person's probably a little too serious for our taste. There's probably never going to be a solution to that dynamic. One person is clean. One person is messy. One person is tardy. One person is always very punctual and on time. One person is very organized, the other person is disorganized. These things don't really have a solution because they're problems relating to personalities, right? And kind of the orientation of people. So what do we do about those? And, you know, Dennis, you're married. Can you relate to that statistic? Like there are problems that you and your wife kind of just, they didn't really resolve themselves, but you got used to it. Like, okay, that's who she is and I'm going to work with it. We're going to learn how to understand each other, but that's there. You know, maybe I'm the funny guy and she's not. There's something, right? Do you you relate to that? Yeah, for sure. There's definitely the pet peeves, right? You have these pet peeves because you have, you're a different, you're a different type of person. You have a different makeup and composition. You think about things a little bit different. Like you said, whether it be the messy kitchen or whether it be leaving, you know, the two, the top off the toothpaste or whatever it is, there's always going to be those pet peeves. And sometimes those are going to go unresolved. And I think, I think the big thing is, you know, the lesson from this, and we're going to try to steer it towards maybe wrapping it up a little bit today, but is that, you know, the thing that I'm taking from this is that 
it starts at home, right? right? If you have a strong and solid home life with your with your spouse or your significant other, or your children or whoever, your relationships at home, I think that will be the best foundation you can have for having a successful business. Whereas on the on the counter side of that, if your home life is in total turmoil, you're constantly arguing, you walk in the door and you're screaming at each other, it's going to be extremely difficult. You're probably 10xing your chances of failure in the business environment. So I mean, just that alone should be, it needs to first be recognized by people that are considering being an entrepreneur or early entrepreneurs or are even successful entrepreneurs that are recognizing the fact that they have some challenges on the home front and that if they don't address them the right way, that, you know, things can change dramatically in your business if you don't, if you're not, if that home life is not strong and solid like you talked about and like how you and Kamala, your wife have, then it's going to be, um, you're putting yourself, not only your personal relationships, but your business in, uh, you know, in, in trouble. And you, you could have serious trouble down the road on both sides. And, and you were talking about Steve Jobs, the other thing, you know, the first thing that rang through my mind is being the richest guy in the cemetery is never anybody's goal. We've heard that before, <laughs> right? That's never anybody's goal. And, right. if you, and if you are that hard charging, nose down, you know, win at all costs, you know, profit driven guy, and, you know, you're going to alienate not only the people around you in business, but on your personal life. So those are a couple of my big takeaways. Well, how do you want to wrap this up? How yeah. can we wrap this up today? Because I think you did a, a great job. One of the ways I want to wrap this up is I want to share this little piece of research. And it talks about love mapping. And it, essentially, it's explained this way. Is it, have you ever been in a space, and, and this is for all of you, by the way, this is a question, is have you ever yourself been in this space or watched someone do this, where two people are talking? And it looks like an argument is about to ensue. I mean, it really feels that way. You can tell things are getting heated. And then somebody kind of lets out a little sly little smile, tells a joke, and releases all the frustration in the room. And now those two people that were about to fight, they're laughing. Like, Yeah, for sure. It's almost like it breaks the pattern, right? Yeah. There's, a, there's a cycle and it's kind of like a pattern interrupt. Something happens, right? Something changes. Well, yep. there's something about that that relates to some research around love mapping and I want to say it by telling you this, is if I was in that room and you've ever experienced that with someone else where someone kind of tells a joke and breaks the tension between you and them, if it was you and I having that problem, I probably wouldn't be able to tell that joke or say that funny thing. So it's not just about who you're having the issue with, it's about what they know about you, right? They know something about you that I don't. And this is where love mapping comes in is the research out of the Gottman Institute found that the happiest couples in the world, they're called relationship masters. Relationship masters are really great at love mapping. And really what that means is if you've ever used Google and you've been led down a, a dead end or almost went down a one-way street because the city has changed, if you've ever used Google Maps and had it mess up, well, that map hasn't been updated to give you the best information or most up-to-date information. And successful couples, happy couples, actually have great up-to-date information on each other that allows them to understand and how to navigate and steer conversations in ways that don't go down one-way paths or dead ends. And so one thing I'd like to suggest to you guys is get better at love mapping. Get better at asking great questions because that's really all that is, is love mapping is your ability to know your partner's dreams, hopes, desires, fantasies, fears, and all of it, right? And so one of the ways that I'd like you- And pet peeves. Yeah. What's that? What's that? <laughs> and, pet and pet peeves. Yes, yes. You know, I taught, <laughs> I taught this class once at a church and 
there's all these couples there and there was this couple we played the love map game and it's just a list of questions that i've created that you ask your partner you know like what's what's my favorite thing to do on my birthday you know and you ask this question to your partner and then your partner says well your favorite thing is this and you tell them yes or no and that's going to change you know my favorite thing to do for my birthday changes from year to year changes from decade to decade and if you have children it can your the love maps of your children can change from day to day like a 10 year old his best friend could be this one guy and then they go to school and they have a fight over a kickball game. And now that's not my best friend anymore, dad. I don't want him to come over to my house anymore, dad. I hate him, right? So the maps of our children change dramatically. In marriage, we assume a lot about each other. And so we don't have up-to-date information because of all those assumptions, right? And so there was this couple in the audience saying, raised their hand and the husband said, he had this big smile on his face, a very emotional guy. And he said, you know, for the last 25 years, my wife and I have been married for 55 years. And for the last 25 years, I thought her favorite color was green. And so I've been buying her things that are green, you know, because I like to give her gifts and I, I really like to acknowledge her favorite color. And then she kind of smiled and said, you know, green used to be my favorite color, but now I have green dresses, green flowers, green paintings, green notebooks, journals, all these things that are green. And my favorite color, I saw this blue the other day. I just loved it. Blue is net blue. But this one blue is my favorite thing. And her husband just, he kind of cried a little bit and said, you know, I learned something new about my wife today. And I just feel more in love with her. I cherish her even more because now I can look at blue and think of her and I can get her gifts that remind me of her and bring this to her. And it might sound silly or maybe it doesn't. But the idea behind this to me is that even a couple who've been married for 55 years can renew their marriage and their love and the passion just by updating their love maps, by asking a new question or asking an old question and listening to new information. And so what I'm going to give to Dennis is a list of 25 questions that you can ask your partner. And it's a game that you get to play so you can take it when you're on date. And it's, you know, and one little piece of research to tell you here too, is if you take this game and you use it, you're actually using a piece of science because science has shown that when couples do new and novel things together, novel can be anything that's essentially kind of new. When couples do new and novel things, they actually spark the parts of the brain that are associated with falling in love. There's parts of our brain that only light up when we first fall in love or when we have a newborn baby. That's the only time they'll spark. And those parts of the brain will only last for, you know, maybe a few months or a year. You can only have those new love feelings for maybe up to a year or two years at most, at the very most two years. But you can actually refire those parts of your brain by doing something new and novel with your partner. So take these questions and ask, take this game that I'm giving you and take it on a date and ask these new novel questions to your partner and you can kind of refire, reignite that passion. And, and I promise you, your relationship will do a lot better and you'll actually increase the length that you two can be together and the fun that you have. So I'll give you a link to that, Dennis, so people can play that game and try it out. And I just recommend, you know, use the love mapping as something to help your relationship really thrive. And then you can take this to work as well. You can use it with your staff and then you'll increase their productivity, right? Because we want to place staff in positions where they're going to thrive the most. And we want to know what their skills and strengths are. And this love map game can directly translate to what you do at work as well. Love it. Perfect. Well, listen, I totally agree with you. I mean, you know, the relationship with your wife or husband or significant other definitely translates over into business 
and your overall health and well-being, you know, just as a person in general. So I'm sold. I totally believe it. I'm going to actually download it. So what's the link? You're going to give me a link that I can put in the show notes? I'm going to give there... you a link so that people Perfect. can go over to your show notes yep. and they and they can grab it directly off your show. Because you guys don't know me. You know, my website is lastingloveconnection.com and it's there. But I want to give it to you, Dennis, so that people don't have to, you know, search me or anything. They can go directly to the show notes here that you have and they can grab it right there. Perfect. If anybody wants to connect with you on social or anywhere else, where would you recommend yeah. them go? Well, the, one of the easiest ways is lastingloveconnection.com is where you can grab some all sorts of goodies. I've got a marriage quiz. I've got all kinds of good stuff for people that are in relationships to kind of find out more about how's your relationship doing, what's the strength of it, and areas that you can improve to make it better, and therefore make the rest of your life better. Because, you know, as one as somebody's once said is, you know, everything is everything. And I think that your relationship is one of those everythings that directly impacts everything else. Perfect. Love it. Listen, appreciate you being here today, my friend. Thanks for all the insight. And I'm sure we'll chat again soon. All right. Talk soon, guys. Adios. Thanks, Thanks Louis. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.